Um, hello, <coughs> this is Paul Jennings, and uh, I'm going to uh, record now um, a little project I'm doing with Walter Fowler. <coughs> it's about Frankenstein's followers, and this is the first issue that's just been published in Elsevier. And also the free text is on my uh, uh, university webpage. Um, <coughs> and there's a few... Um, uh, I had an interview by um, Hardy S. and Thomas Haller in Innsbruck on Freirad. And uh, that's been recorded, and you can find that on my social media, Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, so, Frankenstein's followers, maintenance of human cells outside the body, issue one, Walter Fowler and Paul Jennings. Although science can endeavor to do a great many things unachievable so far, these activities should be, but seldom are, tempered with the question, should we really do it? This is not necessarily implying a moral code to scientific activity, but at least suggests that we probably should consider the long-term consequences of different scientific activities to human, to human society and the environment. Indeed, scientists have struggled with the consequences of their discoveries, not least Noble himself, who set up the Nobel Prize as a reaction to being called the father of death due to his discovery and financial success with dynamite. Here we set out the basis for a series of articles entitled Frankenstein's Followers, Maintenance and Propagation of Human Cells Outside the Body. In April 1815, the largest volcanic eruption during historic times occurred on the island of Sumbava uh, in the Dutch East Indies. Roughly 200 cubic kilometers of lava and hot particulate, hot, hot particulate matter were, were ejected or was ejected during the eruption of Mount Tambora. The consequence for our planet was a severe change of the global weather. The year 1816 entered history as the year without summer. During this wet and cold summer, a group of eccentric British upper-class upper uh, people resided with George Gordon Noel Byron, Lord Byron, at Villa Diotati, a mansion he rented on the shore of Lake Geneva in Switzerland. Annoyed by the bad weather, which prevented excursions into the Alpine surrounding, Byron suggested to his guests to write up a spine-chilling story each. This had consequences for world literature. The Vampire, written by Byron's friend and personal physician, John Polidori, became the inspiration for the famous Dracula novel, later written by the Irishman Bram Stoker, Dublin, 1897. The most influential story, however, was conceived by Mary Wollstonecraft, who visited Byron's villa together with her stepsister Claire Claremont and her lover and later physician, sorry, her lover and later husband, Perry Bishy Shelley. Perry may have in, inadvertently influenced the contents of Mary's novel, as he was a student of the Scottish physician James Lind. Lind was influenced by Galvani's work on frog leg experiments like many others at the beginning of the 19th century. These, activity, these activities were preceded by the invention of the first battery by Alessandro Volta. His batteries could generate electrostatic potential differences up to 100 volts, which was sufficient to cause muscle twitches in dead animals and humans. These observations have triggered the imagination that electricity could be, could be a crucial factor to resurrect the function of animal and human tissues, and in the end, even whole bodies. Most influential in the context were the experiments of Galvani's nephew, Giovanni Aldini, 
who publicly zapped the heads of decapitated criminals in an attempt to reanimate them. He imagined this would be used to uh, resuscitate people who had drowned or suffocated and possibly to help the insane. These and other developments of biological sciences at the times, at those times, have definitely influenced the origin of Mary Shelley's story, Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. Impressed by the, by the work, Byron persuaded Mary to expand her short story to a novel and publish it. Although the novel Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus was not well accepted when published, it gained remarkable popularity as the hubris of science in the form of the human-derived monster, who became a murderer much later and much later via the stage play and specifically by the 1931 film where Boris Karloff was portraying the monster and the 1994 film where Robert De Niro was the creature. In 2015, a consortium of 82 international literature critics chose Mary Shelley's novel as one of the best British novels. Meanwhile, both the novel and the film are utilised to depict the danger which potentially may arise from certain scientific approaches. An article in Surgical Neurology International in 2013 proposed recreating Aldini's experiments with decapitated human heads. The authors of Heaven, Head, Anastomus Venture, The Frankenstein Effect, noted that Aldini ultimately aimed to transplant a human head using electricity to spark it back into awareness. The authors wrote, on the whole, in the, in the face of clear commitment, Heaven could bear fruit within a couple of years, they write. Many scientists have called the project unfeasible and unethical, but the two but two of the co-authors recently announced to the media that they have performed a head transplant on a human corpse and soon plan to publish the details. Although this activity seems to be an outlier and the general scientific consensus is that the mad scientist playing God that the creator will cause the entire human species to suffer eternal punishment for their trespasses and hubris. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the Dark Side of Medicine, a 2014 essay published in the charmingly incongruous Transactions of American Clinical and Climatological Association, ticks off a diverse list of recent experiments that have drawn the Franken label. To name but a few, the maintenance of viable smallpox, the cloning of Dolly the sheep, the engineering of lethal H5N1 bird influenza that could more easily infect mammals, the, synth the synthesizing of the entire uh, bacterial genome, and genetic engineering of the human genome using CRISPR-Cas9. Other triggers of Frankensteinish fears have included in vitro fertilization, proposals to transplant uh, pig organs into humans, actually that's been recently successful, and tomatoes endowed with uh, genes from fish uh, to make them freeze tolerant. Craig Venter, a pioneer in genomics based in San Diego, California, has called a Frankenstein, has been, been called a Frankenstein for his effort to create cells with synthetic DNA and generate the smallest possible genomes. Still, he is proposed to be a fan of Shelley's tale. I think she had more influence with that one book than most authors in history, says Venter, who owns a first edition. It affects a lot of people's thinking and fear because it represents this fundamental of you don't mess with mother nature and you don't mess with life because God will strike you down. Obviously, I don't buy into that thing, he adds. The Frankenstein myth endures, he says, because fear is easy to sell, even when unwarranted. 
Most people have a fear of what they don't understand, he says. Synthetic cells are pretty complicated and putting a new gene into corn sounds scary. But by throwing around labels like Franken food and Franken cells to rally the public against potentially valuable innovations, he says the fear-based community will potentially do more damage to humanity than the things than the things they oh, missing word. Unlike Frankenstein, who initially didn't consider his work might go wrong, Venter says he recognizes that editing and rewriting genomes could contaminate the world and cause unintended harm. I think we need to be smart about when we do it and how we do it, he says. He thinks Shelley would highly appreciate his work. Henk van den Belt, a philosopher and ethicist at the Wageningen University in the Netherlands, wrote a paper about Frankenstein and synthetic biology, applauds Venter for fighting back against the Franken slur. Very often, scientists are afraid to take this position, but I think it's better to be defiant. Brandon Bill says. We, we, Walter Fowler and Paul Jennings, write this series not to create any kind of angst, but simply to inform the scientific community and the public as a whole of both the opportunities and the potential dangers of the utilization and further manipulation of human cells in culture. We feel that the Journal of In Vitro Toxicology and Swedishship is a perfect outlet for this article. So uh, I'd like to thank Elsevier for publishing this, and um, and you can if you have a subscription to Elsevier, you can you can find it on Elsevier. It's called Frankenstein's Followers, and if not, you can just see the text uh, on on my own webpage at uh, maltox.ken.vu.nl. Uh, we have more to follow, and we're very excited to publish this first uh, episode. Thank you very much, and I'd really like to thank Walter Fowler, who probably wrote most of what I just read out. So, have a nice time wherever you are.